0: Welcome to The Blueprint Podcast, where we throw out the old blueprints so you can become who you were always meant to be. I'm your host, Jason Smith, and if you haven't already, make sure you hit the subscribe button and share this podcast on social media and tag me in it at... Bird fit today we have jenny helms calvin licensed clinical marriage and family therapist esteemed coach author of beneath your bullshit the founder of soma the largest mental health practice in kansas she's not just a therapist she's also a talented musician and your boundary bestie jenny welcome to the podcast vulnerability what is your definition of that what does that look like for you
1: yeah so when i think of vulnerability i think of being brave so it's interesting that you talk about it as a weakness as protecting yourself because for me vulnerability is the way that we actually solve issues it can be a solution too and so I think so many of the issues that we have in communication and connection have to do with people not being able to be vulnerable or not being able to feel like they can share and be real And I'll speak for myself, like a lot of my journey, if I'm looking back at like when I really have struggled with vulnerability and not to sound like I'm like, I feel like I just sound like Brene Brown, like rehashing in, but at least my experience, I truly have associated it with shame. If I felt bad about something or if I was judging myself for having that fart or struggling with that thing, I really couldn't speak that to other people. And the the more that I've been able to accept myself, to not struggle with perfectionism, to give myself permission to be human, then I've actually been able to share things and not let those things secretly have power over me. I think if I were to reframe it in a way that would resonate more so with probably like a male audience or first responders or things like that is is how can we just get real? And share what's what's true to us. If we were to take away our fear, if we were to take away shame and um, the ways that we judge ourselves or our experiences, whether we realize we're doing that or not, the more that I've been able to just lean into stuff. And even it's funny, even in like my personal relationship, the more that I've been able to say, you know what, I do struggle with that. Most of the things that I've had to work on for myself or my own therapy journey and, and growth journey has been through acknowledging and facing myself, even though that is so much easier to say than to do. Uh, It's that
0: concept of the the wounded healer.
1: Yeah. So yeah, and I'm still a wounded healer. I'm still discovering things about myself that I don't always love. And that's hard, right? I think that's a big piece of why coaching, why therapy, why all of that even matters. And it's not just having wine with a friend or whatever that looks like, it's because we're actually in spaces where we have the ability to be challenged and truly look at parts of ourselves that we would not be able to otherwise. I even now, I feel like the more that I grow, sometimes I can be bummer in my friend group because... uh, well, Well, even recently, I... I was in a friend group and one of the friends was talking about this experience she had. And um, obviously I'm not going to share her stuff with everybody else, but she was talking about this experience and all of the other people were like, yeah, girl, yeah, that's the way to do it. Or like they were validating. And I was right. like, there's probably a two sides <laughs> for you. In my head, I was like, I'm really curious how it just, it was so extreme that I couldn't fully just validate it. If that makes sense, be, the view on it. And well, I wanted to hold face and listen. I wasn't just going to be like, yeah, your reality is real. It totally is for them. But I almost felt like it was also damaging to have an opinion of just like, yes when validating it versus just being like, oh, I hear you. That really sucks. Like And just hold it for it versus I think what a lot of people will do is they just say the next comforting thing that's more comfortable.
0: Yeah, because it's really hard, especially in your friend groups, right? Because you want to be supportive. You don't want to rock the boat. I I don't want to dive into your stuff because quite honestly, I don't have the emotional capacity to help you navigate all of that stuff. Their partner is friends with this other person. And you you have to look at that experience and recognize that you become who you hang out with. And so Mm -hmm. when these things become a cycle and we're looking at these relationships, so they go to each other and they tell each other all their deep, dark, dirty secrets. And these things get really tough. And they're saying all the things that each other wants to hear. And then they go home and there's this disconnect with their partner because, well, now you've already relieved that pressure valve that's inside of you with this other person. And now you're not being vulnerable. You're not sharing with your partner. You're not showing up in that relationship. and You're actually creating distance and a massive gap between you. And that's really difficult for the other person (laughs) that's in the relationship because they're looking at it like, what did I do wrong? What do I need to fix? And there's all these questions that start to rise up from that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We like the, the fancy therapist term that I think of is triangulation, right? Where instead of going to the person and addressing it with them, you go to somebody else and you share and again, release that pressure. And it actually keeps people from creating change in their relational dynamic, right? They release the pressure and they're like, ah, I'm actually okay. That wasn't that bad. And then they have the same issues happen over and over again. And it can sound like if you're the friend, it can sound like the person that constantly comes to you and always have the same issue, like a little bit different details, but it's like the same dynamic over and over again. And you're just, and that's something where I encourage people to set boundaries of, hey, we could talk about stuff, but I'm not going to talk about this specific issue unless you've taken action, you've talked to that person, you've created some sort of change because. I do recognize my role in just being your pressure relief bulb and really just enabling you to stay stuck in that pattern. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, not healthy at all. <laughs> no it's not. <laughs> and again, just the person on the other side of it, they're left wondering and then their anxiety starts to rise up and then they're trying to figure out the other person and it creates this dynamic of that runner chaser. And that's not good for anybody because, again, we're never coming to a resolution of a problem, but we're creating a cycle that continues to perpetuate itself because we're afraid to communicate. If I tell you my truth, if I tell you how I feel, then you're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. You're going to reject me. And then all of this ends anyway. And so it's really hard to reconcile all of that. So what would you tell somebody that's in that runner chaser dynamic and they're just trying to get to this place where they can start to tell their truth to their partner
1: i think they have to actually acknowledge that fear of abandonment and start there because when that fear is driving the bus you'll i think what happens for a lot of us and myself included i've really struggled i luckily have both i've as i've been healing in my journey i've had what is it the mix of anxious avoidant because i just want to do it all i just yeah i want to have every experience um no, it is not fun. And that's yeah. a part of journey in my healing
0: too. It's very familiar. <laughs> it's in
1: every part. But I know that in my own journey too, because I, I like to speak and, and share my own truth and I'll add in like friends, clients, that sort of thing. But I I think when we have that desire to instead of addressing it and we're slowly distancing ourselves, it's that idea that we feel in control of that fear. If we're going to have a bad rejection in our relationship or feel like we're going to be left if we feel like we can control it that feels more comfortable than addressing that fear head on and so to me if a person is in that dynamic i think the best thing would be a let's first acknowledge your fear because we can't do anything about it if you're just like no they just suck and you're like is that really yes they might have their stuff too. that is part of this stance.
0: but yeah, that, that can be potentially true they can just suck They can
1: and both can be true, right? But at the
0: same time, yes.
1: How do we acknowledge that so that at least when we are creating the ways that we're going to boundaries or safety within that relationship, that we are doing it in a way that is coming from our best selves, not coming from our fear? Because we have to acknowledge that the patterns that don't serve us are coming from typically somewhere unhealthy, typically fears of abandonment, of not being worthy, rejection. And so I think the first thing is to acknowledge that fear. So that we can know that we are in that dance of trying to control that journey because we're afraid of it.
0: This is where I tell people the importance of the self-check-in. When you feel yourself becoming emotionally activated, what does that feel like? You get a little bit of an adrenaline dump. You might have a, that taste in your mouth or your heart rate's raised up. Your palms are sweaty. There's all these things that you might be experiencing at this time. If you can begin to identify that and recognize that, oh, okay, I'm triggered in this moment. Great. What's happening right now? What am I experiencing? Who am I with? What's going on? How can, what words can I give this situation right now? And you can break out your notes app on your phone and start messaging all of that out or grab a a notebook and write these things out. So you can begin to identify this is what causes me to be in this spot. And then we can start to navigate it a little bit differently with the other person. And it might be as simple as, Hey, timeout. I need 10 minutes or 24 hours, depending on how activated you actually are.
1: Yeah. And noticing if there's like those themes, right? I love that idea of, for me, it's my phone app, like I'll take out my phone app and I have like, a note for myself and I will track this thing when I'm feeling. Some of the like major themes are like, if I feel frustrated, whatever you want to call triggered, frustrated.
0: You read a comment online and you're just like, no, I don't like that.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, that is not there. Trust me, I have a long list out of my own triggers. That is not one of them. There are certain things I'm like, I don't know why that doesn't bother me. That probably should. But yeah, you No know, comments are like when people are like mean to me online, I'm like, cute. I don't know. <laughs> right.
0: Well, uh, it's automatic. So, hey, man, like that's your stuff. That, that yeah. has nothing to do with this.
1: Yeah. And I'm just, it just, it's still, I guess maybe that goes on the, it just still amazes me that people put energy into that. Like of all the things you can be doing in your day, you are hating on somebody. And like making that known to the world, and like having your opinion out there. I don't. I just I me. Mean, I'm like there's really so many better things. To do.
0: So th- this is what I do. And if you guys have ever received this message, then you know it's you. But I always say, hey, you must be new here. Thanks for being a part of the Blueprint Community. You should check out this podcast number episode, whatever. I think you'll get a lot of value from it. And I leave it at that because. Clearly they're going through something. I'm just the, the person that they're putting this on top of in this moment. Do I get everything right? I don't. And I don't have a problem admitting that, hey, maybe what I said doesn't resonate with everybody. And that's totally fine. But it comes from a place of you can't get here without going through some stuff. So there's definitely some personal experiences that get mixed in with the things that I'm saying. And a lot of my stuff, people are like, get out of my head. I can't stop watching me because they're like, you're literally living my life, and it's you no. Know, I've lived pieces. I've have it. I've had experiences, and I've seen it out on the job in the real world, and so I know what these things look like at different levels in society. So, yeah, I, there is an understanding there, and it might not resonate with you, and that's okay. Check out the podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that everybody's going to connect with every like coach, therapist, no. influencer, whatever you want to. Call people and And you shouldn't
0: be skeptical. That's
1: part of it. And I'm grateful, like, for instance, I'm grateful for you because I know that I tend to connect more with a female audience. And I'm going to share, like, this was what was really unfortunate. I remember I ran ads and I was like, oh man, I really want to resonate with men because I actually, in my therapy practice, I see a lot of men. For me, I was like, oh, I can totally resonate with men. However, unfortunately, when I put stuff out there and like had this thing that was also targeting men, I got bombarded with messages about what I look like, trying to like sketchy messages. And i that was the unfortunate part where I was like, I feel like I'm hitting a wall. I feel like I'm hitting a wall and being yeah. able to connect with people and just being able to accept that. Not that I like that. I'm still bummed about it. I still would like to. Well,
0: It can get you to a point where you don't want to create content. You're just like, whatever, I'm over it.
1: Yes, that's all that I am is what I look like. Thank yeah. you. I have no...
0: So that's the value you got here. <laughs> yeah, <that's> awesome.
1: <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and I'm also not going to change who I am to try to appeal to people either. No. And it's just, it's weird. You're going you're gonna to resonate with certain people and then not others. And that's part of it. Sometimes they curse. And so if somebody's really uptight about that, that's okay. And I'd say I, uptight is probably not the right word. Like, probably even me being judgmental there. I have a lot of, I came from an LDS background. So I have a lot of people in my life who don't curse. And just have different views and I don't know. It's cool. Like it, it it doesn't resonate. Like that's that's okay. It's gonna it's gonna feel like connect with the people that it's supposed to.
0: So I think in TikTok speak. So whenever somebody says, Yeah, I curse, oh I cuss a little. It's just like, it's- yeah I can't help it. What did that sound in my head? It's it's burned into my brain and I don't want it there, but it's there. That's really hard when you start getting all those different comments, and I think it comes in stages because most of my platforms have grown this year. So, in January of this year, I had 129 followers on Facebook, and that's now shifted to 109,000 on Facebook. And that's been the same or similar trend on all the platforms. And it's so at each stage of that, the 100,000 people are just like, "What are you doing? You're an idiot." I know who you are, and like people come out of the woodwork to tell you like you're an idiot. And then you start branching out a little bit more, you get 10,000, 20,000. Now people start to take a little more serious, but now you're getting all this hate and then mm. over like that 50, 60, 70,000 range. Now the comments that come in are, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I've learned so much here. There's all these benefits that are coming from the content. And so that some of that judgment has now been dismissed or muted because there's so many good comments that are coming in and just people sharing their experiences and they do on Facebook, man, that's really the platform right now. They just pages and pages and it's, I love the vulnerability. I love that you're putting all that out there. I can't read all those. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: I've also experienced that and it's amazing how much people will share to you online about their lives. And that also to me speaks to just how much they're the wanting that, but for whatever reason, like they don't, feel like they can do that in their real life like how much they're needing wanting that and for whatever reason online feel safer
0: um, let's explore that for a second why do you think that is why does online feel i don't even know if it's necessarily safer but it's is it just because we're not really connected to it no. like i get to go live my real life and this is just happening here on this platform that you know nobody sees
1: this is big lie, because i'm trying to actually give this a little bit of thought more just than, oh yeah, obviously you're less connected when you're not physically there in the space of someone else. I almost wondered, people with complex PTSD or severe PTSD will do these things where it's, and I don't want to generalize this because I think all of us, when we are struggling with something, can have what we call part. And I'm not necessarily talking about disassociative identity disorder. I think people get confused i just mean that compartmentalizing it or putting it into the protector part is something that our brain does and so part of me wonders when you're talking about this like other online worlds if it is part of that compartmentalization process that our brain naturally does like it just goes along with our psychology that it makes sense that we're if not really me it's online me right, right. and that kind of feels like that Action at compartmentalizing it makes it easier for us to cope with that thing or easier yeah. for us to share that thing.
0: So I, I wonder it's if
1: it's our, our modern day version of
0: Yeah, because we use 8675309 on whatever platform, and oh, you, you know, mind, your I know. Yeah. And, and so I, like- <laughs> I, I yeah. I can say whatever I want. I can be whoever I want. I can step into this place, and there's a certain amount of emotional freedom that comes with the anonymity of not using your real name and being able to get out there and express yourself. That in real life, if you attempted to express yourself, you would potentially get knocked down or rejected or abandoned or told that you're foolish or all the things that you potentially think about yourself that are negative. It's going to be given to you in real life. But if I just go over here, then I can express myself in ways that I don't get to in the real world. And that feels good to be able to get that out. It's almost like a, an emotional release.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's an emotional release. I'm curious, I guess at some point people trust that they won't get rejected. I'm wondering with that process, I get they're choosing where they release, right? And so uh-huh. something about that space, they feel like it's less risky, like there's less of a chance that they'll be rejected or or. No, I do.
0: So I saw that I saw this meme today and it was a picture of this guy the the face is like it's got red all over it so you can't see the face. And and then it's got like text underneath of that where somebody wrote a message. Hey, you're short. Right. And or you don't look tall, something along those lines. And then the next message was what you're not going to argue with me. Because the other person just hearted it, like, "Oh, thank you. Oh, yes, I'm sure And then there's no argument, and it's like, now you're not feeding the that little monster that's inside of me that wants that that attention or whatever it is that you're seeking in that moment by saying something negative to somebody or negging them and or baiting them into something. What are you getting from that experience besides yeah. a do- a dopamine hit?
1: Uh, yeah, a dopamine hit, a reflection of again. I think for some people, the way that they feel in control. Them. Um, to be able to even predict or to do things in which they will be rejected or ridiculed or, yeah, it's interesting. I, that's its own, like, yeah, we could walk on a whole trail. No,
0: we absolutely could, for sure.
1: I'm curious for you, too, like, and, and maybe you've already shared this a million times, but like, given your background, what kind of made you want to talk about attachment and get, dare I say, vulnerable or real with people online? Because I feel like yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like that would maybe not, like you said, like it wasn't really the the coolest thing at first when you don't have any. Like, when you're like, I have three followers, and one's my mom. What kind of like motivated you when you were in that?
0: It's so interesting. I had actually taken a break from social media, and we really couldn't have social media to begin with. It was extremely limited to my home gym and just a few other things. And so I had gotten off social media and took a, a detox, which I highly encourage people to do if you've never spent six months off of socials. It's a really good feeling and perspective to know that I can quit anytime I want and walk away from that. But as you go through, like I said, as being a first responder, you get exposed to so many different things and experiences. And some of these things are related to your own past experiences and they can be triggering for you in the moment. Of course, you don't know that's what you're experiencing. You just think like you're in a heightened sense of arousal. That's why when you said earlier to get real, right, I think getting real, that level of awareness is so difficult to achieve because you're in that sympathetic nervous system all the time. It's all the time. Like you're never out of it. It's very rare. And when people do try to achieve that, they will find it through hopefully working out CrossFit. That's a really jujitsu. Like those are really good things to do. But. All too often it's turning to food and turning to substances and turning to social media and turning to your phone and just being dead set on that. And all the while you're ignoring life is like passing you by. You're, the people that are closest to you are just in orbit of you. And I heard this, the best explanation I heard was Killian yesterday where he was explaining that all of you guys are in this other room and I'm standing in the hallway watching you. And so that's what it can feel like when it goes too far, when you haven't been going to therapy or doing any of the inner work or diving into self-awareness and trying to figure out where are these things coming from? Why do I feel the way that I feel? And that's unfortunate for first responders that they're so underserved in that community from a mental health standpoint that it's really left up to you to figure that out, to know that when you should go to talk to somebody about something. And that can look very different for everybody because what activates me isn't going to activate you and someone else might see it as not a big deal, depending on what our emotional capacity is for that type of experience or the tools that we have for resilience overall to navigate difficult situations. Getting real can be a really hard place to reach when you're so far away from what's real like i said that world is very different it, it's a different experience and they separate themselves and see themselves a little bit differently than everybody else i can't tell you if i shared some; th- i can with you right but there's other things that i could share with other people and they'd be like i don't know what to do with that i, I can't carry that I, you, you're giving me something i i've never heard before i don't know how to deal with this i've never seen this i don't know what you're going through i don't even know if i can give you empathy on like i a little bit yeah but people don't know what to do with it when you give it to them because they haven't experienced it and they don't know what it looks like and they don't know what it smells like and they don't know what it feels like in the body to have some of these experiences. That's a lot of stuff to take in, (laughs) but I think that's where we're at. And that's why I say, if you can recognize when you're emotionally activated, if you can begin to acknowledge that and then dive into your notes app or whatever it is for you, a little notebook that you carry with you, and begin to figure those out, you can pull yourself out of whatever darkness that you've settled into. And that's just, that's me anecdotally from personal experience. I had to figure that out on my own. And I did, and I'm glad that I did. But it also started, I started leaning into things like Joe Dispenza, spirituality, that takes you down a whole rabbit hole. There's all these different rabbit holes to get into. You spend years diving into that stuff and it comes full circle again. And you're just like, yeah, you yeah, know, there's something with meditation and journaling and going for walks and working out regularly and not drinking. Being sober is one of the best things that, that I've done for myself. You sleep every night. You wake up at four in the morning to go on your walk, on your ruck, and your life is just very different. It's very full. It's very vibrant. And that is the best gift that you can possibly give to yourself.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like there's so many different pieces, of, and we or like things. I could probably be like, "Oh, about that," would yeah. fail off with you, but I just first want to appreciate that. Yeah, that journey. I'm sure was not easy, especially if you're in an environment of people that are also unaware. If that makes sense, if everybody's like the whole community of people that you're around are not aware, it's so hard to get into that. And not only that part of it, for my understanding, and, and maybe you could speak if it's it was different for you. But if you're so stuck in like that nervous system, like you're always on high alert and then eventually it actually goes into like numbness. So that's actually the worst part of when you're in that freeze state, but you're constantly in it and you don't know that you're in it. And the hardest part, I think, about feeling that is typically to get back into where you have that, that safety, like that feeling of safety in your nervous system. You have to go through the flight part and the fight part, which is usually comes out of anxiety, anger, all these feelings that people were like, I don't want to freaking feel that. And so when they start to, when they're healing, it actually feels really crappy. Like, I don't want to, I was better in freeze mode than actually feeling, having all this stuff come up that at the time when you're healing, you don't know what to do with it. I
0: don't want to, I don't want to feel stuff. Like I was good not feeling stuff. That was great.
1: Oh, was wonderful. Yeah, and yeah no, and that's been, I feel like, the dance I see people into mm-hmm. And I get that. Like, it's freaking hard, especially at first when you don't have the tools yet. And all you're holding on is lifeline of, this is the right way. And you're like, this feels terrible. Because <laughs> a lot of people think if I'm healing, if I'm getting better, I'm going to feel great. And I feel like I end up being the bearer of that news of, like, it's going to suck. before it
0: gets- <laughs> Yes. There's all this judgment that comes in and these expectations that we force upon ourselves that, there's this ultimate destination that I have to get to because if I don't get to it, then I'm a failure. And so if I'm going to embark on this journey of self-awareness and therapy and try to figure all this stuff out, then it has to happen. What's the time frame? Therapist, is it a one month, three months, six months? How longs it going to take until I'm healed and I can run around telling everybody on the internet that I'm healed? It's not healed. It's healing. We're always in a state of becoming. And once you latch on to that idea that you're always in a state of becoming, but what you become is always up to you. And that's the work, right? That's why we take it slow. We slow things down. We go to therapy. We listen to our therapist. That's always helpful. But yeah, it's really hard to get through that when you have this massive expectation on yourself and then you feel like a failure because it didn't happen in a time frame that you wanted it to.
1: And I think a lot of folks don't realize they don't even really understand what complex PTSD is. They don't understand. And it, it's interesting. I wonder if to you people feel like they are somehow like a failure or inadequate if trauma does impact them. Because you were talking about how it impacts people differently. And i said yes, but we all have our different like flavors of it. So like right. if there is not impacting you, that doesn't mean that it doesn't impact somebody else in a certain way. And even if it doesn't, you never know. Like the more that I've learned about the what they call interpersonal neurobiology, which is fancy, over-the-top language for like the way that our brain develops within relationships. So people always think about our brain developing and they're like, oh, we have genes and we just grow up and it's just going to be what it is. I think that's a very simplified version of what a lot of people think, but they don't realize that our brain not only develops based on the genetics and what we're born with, but also... It literally develops or does not develop depending on the experiences that we have as a super little person, like zero really? to two, the most pivotal ages, and so you can't even remember the things that you did or didn't get in certain ways.
0: Yeah, it's what you experience and what you don't experience.
1: You don't experience emotionally, and so yeah. and people don't. They're like, oh, whatever, that's not that important. I'm like, that's super. Yeah. So if you're yeah. like this person has this emotional skill, i be like. Yeah, from zero to two, they were experiencing that emotional skill and had those resources and maybe you didn't and you had no control over that, right? So if you're comparing yourself to that and judging yourself, like that's super unfair. It's So one of the most, I think what was eye-opening for me was the metaphor was, I didn't realize this. If a person is not exposed to light from a certain like pivotal age period, they will not develop light. So they'll be blind. They'll have everything in their genes to be able to see. But if they are not exposed to light for a certain critical period, when they're a baby, they'll be blind. And so it's wild. Yes. And I was like, how many different ways do we not realize that applies to the emotional world? And I we judge like, ourselves and we're like, oh, I'm blind. And it's, uh, you didn't have light. Like, this person had light and you didn't. And so I think to me, that was like very eye opening to learn about that. So then I feel like hopefully for most of us, like we're never going to fully know what we experienced or didn't. But to just have grace with ourselves that there are things that we are still healing from childhood that we did or didn't. And I also think that happened in really great families where people just didn't know any better, or you just don't know the type of experiences that you had, or let's just be real. Parents are human. I like joke with the parents I work with. I'm like, I do all this work about learning this. I care so deeply. I don't have kids, but in my future kids. I'm going to traumatize. Them. I know that. in like subtle, right. big ways, I'm still going to do it. As much as I, I care deeply and try not to, it's going to happen. And just to be able to say, that's okay. Like, it's yes. part of this process. We just have to be able to like, see that and be, be real. that's part of being human.
0: And there's going to be people that chime in and say, no, absolutely not. It's... Relax, guys. I love that you called it a skill because there's just skills that we didn't learn. They weren't modeled to us. We didn't experience them. We didn't go through it. There was nobody in your teenage years that sat you down and said, hey, this is how this is what emotional regulation looks like. You can actually do a physiological sigh and it's going to help calm you down and bring you from your sympathetic nervous system into your parasympathetic. Nobody told you that. Like we're learning this at 30, 40, 50 years. I have people that are 70 that (laughs) have joined. I I don't I'm not laughing. I'm just it's wild to me that I would connect with people there but I love that they joined the 21 day self-love challenge and they share their experiences with us. And they're like, I'm still growing. I'm still developing. And I'm like, yes, you are. That is awesome. I love hearing that stuff because we often write off our parents and our elders as being, you can't connect with them. It's never going to happen. And it's not for everybody. Sometimes people wake up when they're supposed to, they get introduced to information when they're supposed to. I look back on it all the time and I'm like, man, I wish YouTube was around 10 years ago, 15 years. Like, it was, but it wasn't in my experience with what I was going through at that time. And the content didn't exist that exists today that helps you wake up and navigate different situations. Like you're just, you're very much unaware, roaming through life, doing your thing as you know how to do it. And it becomes that pattern. You know, you you get introduced to things when you're supposed to.
1: Yeah. And we can still develop and grow. Like Dan Siegel has proven that people in their 70s can still make Reaps and bounds of, of progress in their emotional development. So,
0: yeah. And physically, I've seen people online that if they start weightlifting in their 60s and it's just, oh, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> no, we so badass. And I still, to this day, I have friends that are, have shared that like along, because they do work out and they lift weak. And they've had doctors, I think, again, with intention, I don't think they're trying to be like, oh, don't move. But anytime they get any injury, they're like, you should really consider slowing down. Or not? That know, they, always the answer. It's insanity, and I'm like, that is actually terrible because what they are doing it makes them so much healthier and alive and energetic. And yeah, it's been bizarre, but they've all been like, "Yeah, it's terrible advice." But just the fact that it's so that's still circulated, it's just yeah, it's silly, and it's actually the fact that we stop moving that makes the like last bit of our lives like that low quality bit of life I hope I'm like older and I'm like going for like a little power walk and then I like keel over at the power walk right like, like I, I don't want to be like I'm like what can I do like versus right. the limiting believable just stop just be in your chair just
0: get ready it's like, so what? interesting when people tell you that too so it's you get injured I had shoulder sh- shoulder surgery and people tell you oh man slow down you can't do this you can't do that you're not going to be able to do this again." And I'm just like, eh, watch me. It's like, I was a gymnast and a wrestler in high school. It's like, there, there's just activity as a part of life. And so it's something that I want to continue to do well into old age and God willing, I'm going to be able to do that, but you have to do it every day. You got to do it consistently. And it's really great for you overall, just because you're giving your, it's what we call self-love, right? That self-like, I like myself enough to do this one thing consistently enough that is, I know is good for me and it's going to help me in older age to be stronger, more capable, and enjoying more time with my family. Hopefully, a
1: hundred percent. I was it's funny we talk about that topic because I was just talking about it with a client this morning who is in their 60s mm-hmm. and they were connecting those dots that it was a part of them not prioritizing themselves that they yeah. weren't getting the gym. and they were just like, Yeah, that's the re- I can make time for all the other things, and then it's not i can't make time for me i can't and there's some deeper stuff involved with but essentially at the end of the day they realized how much that was related to the, that they always are thinking about other people first and not really concerning themselves how can it's, you begin
0: yeah, to make yourself a priority
1: i think you have to figure out when you start i think it, it sucks but like sometimes it is and there's a the thing some people, they're forward-looking, and that works, and that's the solution for them. I found that for a lot of people that when they are able to understand why that pattern started in the first place or where that may have came from, that just starts to give them some, like, ability to separate themselves and develop that, trying to explain, but that differentiation where they're able to say, that's actually not what I believe anymore. That's not actually me. <laughs> so and how I- do I and grieve that too because part of it too is grieving i've yeah. lived many years with this way of doing something and i've got to grieve it i've got to forgive myself i've got to be willing to say that's just not me anymore and how do i start taking steps to live into like my self? but you got to get real with yourself and realize it's not freaking you that's yeah. not what you want
0: i always tell people it's a little f you energy You got to get to this place where it's, yeah, you know what? No, that's not one. That's not me. Not anymore. I've grown. I've evolved. I've changed. I'm recognizing things. I've created awareness. I'm stronger. I'm more capable. And there's like this shift in the way that you think about yourself and the words that you use with yourself, but also how you introduce yourself to other people. So we stop using self-deprecating humor and we start. Using words that align with who I've become. No, I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm kind. I'm generous. I'm loving. I'm all of these amazing things, and and we start to push away some of the other stuff that is no longer serving us.
1: Yeah, and develop the capacity to be okay with other people not mean the new us (laughs) right, and the ways that the new us is no longer serving them. That's a big one. It's so huge. I think for a lot of my clients, I've seen how much. It is so hard at first for them to have that friction in their relationships and to have people be upset with them and not like the new person. And and even I'm a marriage or family therapist as well. And so I trained in systems theory. And one of the things we talk about is how um, families will fight to keep things the same, even if it's unhealthy. And it's really interesting. I've seen that happen so many times that as people are healing, the people that genuinely are like they're close to you and their family and their friends will actually fight to keep things the same, even if it's not good for them. And it's part of that process is developing that ability to tolerate people not being happy with that change, people having friction and not agreeing with it. So, so that's part of that
0: journey. I heard on a podcast, because lis- that's all I do is listen to other people's podcasts, But it was Jen Sincero, author of You Are a Badass. And she said that you're actually killing off the person that everybody you know loves. And so they have a really hard time reconciling that in their own mind because they have a picture. They have an image of who you are to them. It's not who you are, but it's who you are to them and, and what you get from them and the experience they have of you. And when you begin to change, there's this dissonance that occurs because now I don't know who you are. I don't know what to make of you. So they end up actually exiting your life in some way, shape or form, or you spend less time together because you're not connecting on the same level. And I just call that raising your vibration, right? Because you're growing, you're developing. It's okay. You shouldn't feel guilty for that. But just recognizing that not everybody's going to come along with you on that journey.
1: Yeah, 100%. And that can be, it can be a really hard place when you're first making those changes and you haven't met the people That you're quite like vibrating with yet.
0: (laughs) God, it's brutal.
1: Some rep, or even like it was. There's a quote, and it was really good. I was like, if you're on your way and not quite at the vibrant, like the vibrating where other people that are healthier are also going to be attracted to you and want to be your friend and things like that, but you're also like in that awkward space of like, I'm outgrowing my old self and like, you're just like in no man's land of not good enough for the people that I'm the self-development. I'm not great enough for the people that I'm trying to heal and, and grow from. And I was like, it's so true. I think yeah. people relate. And I, I don't know if like, good enough is a like, great way of uh, describing it, but I just think of levels of emotional maturity, differentiation, whatever we want to call it. But it is tough. I know even in my own journey as I've worked on stuff. And people, again, they'll fight to keep you the same. So they might even use things that they know that would really hurt your feelings. So for me, I'm happy to share this. I don't like being perceived as a person who is intentionally trying to hurt people or is a bad person. And so if I'm like trying to heal and someone's like, you're just an asshole or you're selfish or what, like those are the ways that I'm like, oh my gosh, am I? Like, and then I'll retreat back into doing the thing I really need uh-huh. to go from. So I've noticed that pattern even in myself that, like, sometimes it's really hard to because the people that are close to you also know the things that they can say, get you back to doing what you're doing. And so I know that's one of mine. So i had to, like, really work on letting it go and being like, you know what? People can think I'm a bad person. That's okay. Like, people can think I'm trying to hurt them or they can think that and I have to be okay with that. I have to let that go and not try to control it.
0: So is there an exercise that you can tie into that, that someone can do?
1: I'm like, I'm sure there is. But like off the top of my head, for me, it's a lot of that self-talk. Knowing, right. like first awareness. And, and that's something that I've had to really work on in my own like therapy journey with my therapist. But also I will do that self-talk in that moment too. I'm like, when I notice I'm getting triggered, I'm like, what is this related to? Is this you trying to be? Seen as somebody who's always nice and cares about people or like it's really that self and right. like just getting curious, like not in a mean way, but just in a like, what is this really about? Because you're not living into the way that you're wanting to. There's something internally that's friction. And that's usually when I'm able to be aware of that, like protector part of me that like wants to be perceived as like always being nice and always doing things with good intention and whatever we want to call it. But I think when I acknowledge that within myself, like I'm actually able to step back and be like, okay, no, I've got to do this thing anyway. And for me, I would tell myself, I get like permission to not always be a nice person. Permission to be perceived as a a mean person. And that's okay. Because I don't know why I put those expectations on myself anyway.
0: It really comes down to, can I assert myself? And this is something that I've been challenged with is actually that no, yeah, my opinion does matter. I do have things to say. And that's been the evolution of my content and a little bit of validation there as things continue to grow in that I've formulated opinions. It's okay to have these opinions and it's also okay to share these opinions. And then to have it acknowledged by other people, you start to find that other people come in and they identify with that. And now that This has been a source of me doing a little bit of healing work around my opinion does matter. And I don't have to retreat. I don't have to pull back. I can assert myself and feel confident. I do that. Like it's a little barrier, right? It's that wall internally that I tell myself is okay to have that. I can assert myself and be this person. And that's 100% okay. And if you reject that and that doesn't work for you, that's also okay. It just means you're not my people.
1: But that's hard. That's hard to get to, yeah. right? If you're a recovery
0: people pleaser. Hey, come on, gen X. gen X. Like we were all people pleasers. That's what we were bred for. It's. Wait,
1: I'm wondering about that theory. Why Gen X? Because I'm right? like, I'm people in Gen X that are not. people-pleasers.
0: I, I think it's a mixed bag, and I, I, I can't. <laughs> I don't think we can really put it to. I just like saying Gen X because it sounds good. Because nobody talks about us, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a,
1: all, like, you know, like the middle child or like, well,
0: I'm, I'm that too. So. <laughs> but it's wow. nobody talks about JEDX. But no, when you think back on it, it's we're supposed to be in cubicles, doing jobs, put your head down, do what you're supposed to do, what I tell you to do, follow my blueprint. This is what mm-hmm. I did. You should be doing exactly what we did to be successful in life or to have anything because that's what worked for me. But that's also where we miss sk- skills. We don't acquire the skills necessary that the adults in your life may or may not have because they don't have it to give to you. And so then you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, still struggling to acquire some of these skills to help you navigate life a little bit better. And again, it just goes back to that awareness.
1: I think we also, so there's the cultural aspect, right? There's so many different pieces. There is, there's like that big cultural piece. There's like your own family system and like what role you played. And so like, for me, there's a lot of things that impact me on this level. And then it's also getting even like more impactful. The more that we get to the family of origin, I know that the people pleaser part of me was definitely a protector part I developed as a kid. And I never let that part retire. I was like, let's keep going (laughs) until it was like, actually, this is really wrecking my own ability to connect with people genuinely because it wasn't like real. It was what I was getting out of it and how I was navigating and controlling my life. And just the ways that it kept me from actually being myself, I wasn't able to do the things in my life I wanted to do and take even what I was choosing as far as a college and career options and how I was doing things was people don't realize how that's subtly playing in the background. Like and that's, right. that's like moving you to places. And so it's funny as I know people are like, let's not talk about my childhood. It's such a cliche. And I'm like.
0: Got to start somewhere like right here so I'm like I'm like
1: let me know when you want to talk about the elephant in the
0: room
1: <laughs> like uh, there's not a lot about it I'm like well, cool. we'll go over here for a second until the elephant's like sitting in your lap and it's <laughs> this is how i am showing up and yeah
0: and oh, like, you don't realize how inauthentic you're actually being and so people are constantly trying to connect with you in their in their own way the way that they learn to connect with others But again, there's this wall, there's this barrier, there's this, I'm just nice, I'm gonna be nice all the time. And you never show up as your full self. So then we, then you question, how can you like me? Because you don't even know me. And I don't even really know myself, to be honest with you. And then, so then that creates some of these other relationship behaviors that people really struggle with uh, on my platform.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. You never, yeah, you never actually feel connected to people or like you belong or you're truly your people. Body book actually show them all those other parts of you that are not whatever you're curating for them. And like you said, like doing that for so long, or I'll speak for myself, I had to really figure out who I was again because I have been in that role for so long. I was like, who is Jenny? What does Jenny want? Because I don't even know. I'm always like, yeah. Jenny What is
0: Jenny big. like?
1: What? What coffee do I like? It was like? Literally.
0: I don't care. Whatever you want. Whatever.
1: Yeah. What would be easiest for you to make? it just obviously that's an extreme but i felt i didn't realize how much that part of me that was like hyper-vigilant about the surroundings and how i could manage it based on what i said and did that was what was me it wasn't actually what i want and you know, getting into a space to ask those questions myself again it felt really weird at first it felt really weird like when you i don't know if you experience that when you ask people to do that they're just like What is, what, like, how do I, like, and so I feel like it's even.
0: What do do you mean? What do I want? I, I, I don't know.
1: I want people to be happy.
0: Yeah. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. Like, why is that so hard? Why is that so hard for you? Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. Tell me what I want. Yeah. No, it's so interesting. But then when you really start leading yourself and again, it's a skill, you begin to lead yourself in a different way. You separate for yourself from the things that have always plagued you and have been difficult to navigate, or at least you have an acknowledgement that these two things can exist at the same time and that you can just question it and say, yeah, you know what? You settle down. I don't need this anymore. I'm actually stepping into this different version of me that doesn't tolerate bad behavior and doesn't tolerate the things that that upset me or, or activate me. And it's okay to do that. It's actually necessary.
1: Yeah. And to just, and to plan for people to be unhappy as you evolve and to try to keep you stuck and maybe even call you selfish or other things. I feel like that's the word I hear a lot from people. I'm scared of being selfish once they start to actually do things for themselves and set boundaries with people. Because yeah, people that are not good at respecting boundaries, they will come up with all sorts of words and ways to describe you and make it about you that they don't want to respect your boundary.
0: Yeah. I always tell people self-love isn't selfish sitting in your messes because what you don't realize is when you're not working on you, when you're not putting the work into yourself, when you're not growing, developing, changing, expanding, you're not giving your full potential to all the other people in your life. And so they don't get to experience that version of you. But when you start showing up for yourself, when you make yourself a priority, when you step into that role. Now you're giving other people around you permission to do the exact same thing because they see that in you. And they're like, wow, I, I didn't realize that was possible. It starts with rejection, right? They're going to reject you at first. But then as time goes on, like we said with the followers, over time, you begin to move into this other space. And then there's evidence for the things that you've created and the things that you've done. And then you can't refute that evidence because it's right in front of you. And then they're like, okay, how, they'll start asking you, how did you get here? What did you do? And they want to know your story and try to figure that out for themselves as well.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because sometimes I'll, it's unfortunate, but for me, even, I think what was really motivating at first was realizing as I grew, that would help other people. So it was like still that people pleaser part in a weird way. Like I eventually outgrew that part of it. But it is true that when you do your own self work, you are going to impact those other people. And even if they're pissed off at you, I think about it And you know, when somebody struggles with alcoholism, they're not stoked when you call them out. Like, they're not like, yay, thank you for that feedback. Like, typically, they're pretty upset. And, but they also, like, when I think of the people that have gone through their recovery journey with alcohol or eating disorders, or even my own, like, the doctor that called me out when I was struggling with an eating disorder in high school, I was so sassy, too. I'm so sassy too. And she never knows to stand up when I do presentations on that. I thank her. Because I'm like, she had the courage to call me out, even though I was not kind about it. And that was like the person that enabled me to finally get a full assessment and stop. Like my family was in denial. So we kept going to doctors. To like, why is she losing weight? It must be something else. And so, um, and and to be fair, I was super uh, sneaky. I call myself an honest liar. Like, I didn't mean to be. Deceptive, but I was because that's how little I was. And so, um, through that process of her sharing that with me, despite the fact that I was not nice about it, but she changed my life. And I, I think about that in the subtle ways that, like, when we don't let people continue to engage in the behaviors that are hurtful to other people, even on micro levels, like that gives them the opportunity to change and to fix that if they are in that further journey. And you might be like one of like, 10 people who had to be like, hey, don't do that. For them to actually see that, and you may never see that they actually eventually create change or whatever, right. but you're still giving them the best chance. And so I don't think people realize it is kind to tell people to not treat you in ways that could be hurtful and not whole. Cool. Or even sometimes people set boundaries and you're like, I'm not being hurtful, but the whole concept is that you're trying to meet somebody where they're at. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense to you. It's to honor and meet them where they're at. Even if they're struggling to work through whatever that thing is, that they eventually are going to be like, yeah, I'm actually more okay with this thing now or whatever. But showing them that you like care, that you're like, I really hear you.
0: We did not talk about boundaries.
1: <laughs> no, we didn't. Okay. Not as much as I thought we'd buy it, but that's okay. Like all this yeah. stuff, it's, some, it's all related in different ways. Because I think once we're on that journey, we do set boundaries including boundaries with ourselves, Like when you talk about self-love, there's boundaries in there. But anyway. How do we
0: set a boundary with ourselves? What does that even look Um, like?
1: I think about all the different... So like when we're talking about self-boundaries, it's the ways that we're no longer going to engage in things that we may have in the past. So for instance, like... I used to be really hard on myself and just like shame myself, and like, if I made a mistake or whatever. And so like, self, yeah, and it just like, it would just like ugh, ruminate or whatever. And so for me, it's not that like, I don't ever default to that because sometimes I still do, especially if it's something that is tender for me. But I now have a self boundary that like, I'm only going to do that one. Like I'm only going to go through one rotation, and then I'm going to like actually sit back and try to give myself grace and say, okay, what could I have done better in the future? And like, let me make this healthy guilt. Instead of shame. And that's the boundary I have with myself, that I don't do that any longer. Oh, another one. This one, okay, it's interesting because I've gotten some black about this one. So I'm like, okay. I'm very you might think your other listeners. Yeah. Um, I grew up with a lot of passive aggressive people in my life. And so part of my healing journey has been to not read between the lines. And so if somebody's upset with me and they're being like pouty and I'm like, my, my spidey senses are going off. Like sometimes like, it's not that I never ask like, Hey, is something going on with you? But I actually, I stopped doing it. Like I set okay. the boundary with myself. Cause I used to, again, try to like rescue and save people. And now I'm like, what's she what thinking? <laughs> are you okay? Are you
0: okay? Yeah. Yes.
1: And, and now I'm like, you know what? If they have something they need to say to me directly. That's on an end. And I'm no longer going to read between the lines, fill that in, and try to go to them and make sure we're good because of their behavior. And I remember someone just being like, because one of the occasions, they were like, I think your mom was upset about that thing. And I was like, maybe. If she's really upset, she'll probably tell me.
0: And she'll let me know.
1: Yeah. And it was funny because I don't even know who knows if my mom was actually upset about that thing or not. But I got to the point where I was like, you know what? It's not my job anymore. It is not my job to take up the energy and space to like have to figure that out and fix it and solve it. It's their job to come tell me directly if they're upset by something. I'm not just going to pick up. And it also enables. It's like it's a boundary for me, but it's a boundary for them too. Yep. I mean, just like that, I'm not going to pick up on them. Like, it's not going to work. If that's the way you want to convey to me that you're not okay or you're unhappy about something, it doesn't work.
0: That evolution is so hard to get to because it, it, you have to have so much self-awareness of what you're going through, what you're experiencing, because you've been spending so much time trying to anticipate the other person. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What's going on? How can I protect myself? We're in this place of, I, I don't want you to abandon me. I don't want you to hurt me. I don't want to have this, you know, negative experience. So I'm going to try to anticipate everything that could potentially happen ever in this life experience. And then do the things that are going to keep you a happy person, right? And again, disconnecting from ourselves, I say this all the time, it's not your job to fix or change people just so you can like them, right? And we get there a lot of the times where we're like trying to, we blame other people for our own life experiences. I'm experiencing this because of you and not because of something that's actually internally happening with me. So building that self-awareness is really difficult to get to because it's what's safe. It's what's, it's what we know. And, and. not safe, right? But it's what we know. It's familiar. And so yeah. we stick to that.
1: Absolutely. Even when it's not serving.
0: <laughs> Even them. when it's not, yeah. It's not. I don't want to be here. I don't like this. But I know yeah. it.
1: But I know it. I'm gonna keep doing it. And it's I can laugh at it now because I've I have seen how I've done that to myself so many times. Right. So, like, why <laughs> why are we still here? Or why are we like, or even if I like blame somebody for something and I'm like, that was actually, maybe I had a, pro- maybe I wasn't a hundred percent bad. And it's, it's just so funny as, I feel like as people heal and deal and I don't know, I feel like they gain that self-love, but another word that kind of resonates with me is self-respect. Like yeah. I will respect myself a lot more the more that yeah. I've actually been able to own my stuff and see where I played a role. and. Also see where I'm over-functioning.
0: That's, yeah, it's been,
1: it's a journey. It's a journey.
0: Over-functioning?
1: Yeah. So like when I do that thing where I'm trying to guess what they're feeling and being like, are you okay? And trying to like rescue or save somebody. Like to me, that's over-functioning. Like a lot of people, a generic common example is that instead of setting a boundary with somebody around cleaning or who does what, somebody will just do it for them. Because they're like, I don't want to deal with the drama.
0: You, you bring up so many things that we could dive into. That's a very common one. Yeah.
1: And I'm like, that's a person over-functioning to take on that role versus actually addressing the issue. And a lot of people users over-function because that's their way of controlling the environment, not creating version.
0: Yeah. it's all, There's also distrust there. Right? I, I don't trust you to do things in this mm-hmm. household properly. You cleaned that toilet wrong. You used the wrong product. That's not how you're supposed to do it. It's I don't know. I've been cleaning toilets my entire life. It's like, how is this wrong? Please tell me. Please show me.
1: And letting that go to, you like, if that's the dying, you're dying on, right? If someone's actually trying and you're still just like, not good enough. It, what is that really about? Right. Know? Why does it have to be your way?
0: That's always the question, but it's, we take it so personal when that happens. And it's now all of a sudden I'm bad. I'm a bad person because I didn't clean the toilet properly. And because we don't know how to communicate or navigate conflict, it escalates into this bigger thing. And it's just like, where was that really coming f- from in the other person? Right? It's not about the toilet. It's about something else. What is that exactly? And people don't know how to get from the toilet to the conversation. They just, they don't know how to get there. No.
1: Because it's hard. And also, that's, it's, and it's also something that I've, and I'm still growing in this area of myself is like getting vulnerable when I'm upset and saying, instead of going from that blame place of just being like, I feel scared that this means this. And that it's really my insecurity around this. And that's really what's coming up. And that's why this feels so big for me. Or that's why I'm so upset. And like really owning that it's about our stuff and our insecurities and our fears and keeping that real or being like, really want to talk about this thing and whether or not this is even realistic or i'm just projecting this onto you i'm scared about how you're going to respond and so i haven't talked to you about it yet but i really liked you but i'm super nervous because that's very real and law. but it's a lot harder to do that than to be like this is why i can't talk about things because you're such a right. jerk and just and and blame somebody and be be harsh to them versus to be Real and be like, oh I'm I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm scared this is not gonna go well. And then we're not gonna talk and I'm gonna miss you. <laughs> and like just saying all the things that are really hard to say. Right. That's really the heart of it. It's not that you're like, like it's it's more soft often than not. And people don't know how to get to the soft parts. They they get into that like angry, like and they think that that's it's funny because I think a lot of people are like, this is not boundary. And I'm like, mm, yeah. about that? I think that's your that's your fear, (laughs) right? (laughs) A lot,
0: a lot of times that boundary is actually it's not a boundary. You're actually trying to limit or change the other person. A lot of times in a fundamental way. Yes. So we get into relationships with somebody who might be a drinker, and you're not a drinker, and that's a standard and value that you have that you're not that type of person. And there's no shame or anything on the other side if you are somebody who drinks, but That's a standard and value that you've now thrown out, you've cast out, you've ignored it, so you're self-abandoning. You're betraying your own values, and then we date this person. And then when negative things start to happen in that dynamic, we don't take any ownership or responsibility, then becomes victim-blaming because you made a decision to ignore all of these spidey senses and things that were going off in you and continue to date something, somebody, not something. That goes against your standards and values. So it's that's why you hear me say all the time, what are your goals, values, and standards for a relationship with you? Can you acknowledge that, accept that, begin to honor that, and then understand what your boundaries are around that and know when to compromise on those things? Because no, nobody's perfect. No situation is perfect. There's going to be compromise. But the more that you can step into your goals, values, and standards, the stronger and more empowered you're going to feel in any given situation. And that first time you say no to something that's, but I want it, but it's not good for you. And there's all these, there's all this evidence and reasons why you, you shouldn't have that particular thing or that relationship. The first time you say no to that is the hardest thing you'll ever do, but you'll never feel more empowered or safe in your own body than allowing yourself to do that.
1: Yeah. And that might not, like you said, it's hard to do. And I I think, at least in my experience, you don't feel great about it at first, typically. Like, it doesn't at at first. It feels like you look back on it and you're like, man, I feel so empowered now. But like, at the time. You you might
0: grow directly to shame. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or just like second guessing yourself or like all these feelings start to come up that you're like, oh, that does not feel good. But then later on, you're like, that was the right call. And I think you're 100% right. I think that's part of why the people that are stuck in whatever keeps them from really knowing themselves can get into those relationships where they always feel like they're like, why do I always date the same person? Or it's not the same person, but (laughs) why are they in the cycle they're in? And I'm like, can't change that until you get to know yourself and say no and set those boundaries. But if you don't do that, you are just like the odds are you're just going to be in a relationship with people wear your values and it's just and if you can't communicate and you don't have coping skills it's a beautiful disaster right it and, is. <laughs> and so it's just and we're like why does this keep happening and i'm like it's a mystery
0: <laughs> so it starts like this they're my type
1: i feel butterfly
0: right? yeah stop that Get rid of your type. Your type doesn't matter. Your type is what has caused you a lot of heartache and problems and issues and other things over time. We need to start navigating away from that. And a lot of it's superficial anyway, at the end of the day.
1: A lot of the butterfly stuff
0: is superficial. uh,
1: My butterfly stuff is totally superficial.
0: What's your butterfly stuff?
1: It's funny because, okay, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. If you put a lineup of all the guys that I've dated physically... They do not look alike. Like, at right. all. They're different. Ethnicities, heights. I think only, not even that, like, I haven't dated guys that are not, like, yeah, no, they look different. I think there's only, like, maybe some extremes that, like, I, like, they physically look different, but I guess my tie or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I think for me, unfortunately, what I've had to heal in some of the attachment ones and even what I've had to heal with partners and then. Side of partners and all that good stuff has been I've struggled with thinking that people who are safe are boring or they're not fun enough and so that's been part of my journey is healing that if they're yeah. and not like finding like the fights or whatever is like part of that like love and whatever like I've had to really heal that and heal that within my too and yeah. acknowledge when I'm pushing away from somebody because it's part of that but that was just I think that's when I say like my type, like I've done the thing where I'm like, oh, I just don't, it's not exciting enough or I don't feel butterflies enough. And it typically that is with somebody who might be safer and that's part of what I've rejected in the past. I'm like, that's so superficial. And at some yeah. point you get six months into a relationship a year and you realize how much like all the other stuff really matters. And even like one of the healthiest guys that I've dated, I remember just being like, this guy's weird. This guy's. I remember talking <laughs> to my friends And family, this guy is, like, he was the crazy one, but truly, it was me. I'm willing to acknowledge that, like, to this day, I was back on that relationship, and I was like, because I broke up with him, Mm -hmm. and I look back, and I was like, that was me being, like, not healthy in that that process. And i have been able to read that and go through that process, but I had to actually acknowledge that, like, I broke up with him, and he was a healthy one.
0: But that's where we use the term, ick. That's one of my favorite terms when people use the ick. Oh, he just gives me the ick. And it's, ah, does he though? Or is he just a normal person that you have to find something wrong with because it's not what your nervous system is looking for. You're not attuned to that type of person. I I don't know why we have to put people down. It's just, you just have to recognize I'm not attuned to you. And yeah, so I, I think these things are chemistry. I need to be turned on by something and whatever you're doing, whether it's your board shorts or whatever it is, the haircut, the mustache, whatever it is for you that that gives that ick. It's just it's always interesting to me to hear that from other people because that's where you're limiting yourself a lot. Yeah. Whenever I and there was somebody on social media that like captured all these different icks and it was popping up on TikTok every now and again. I thought it was fantastic because they're hilarious. It's the most ridiculous things. Like how is that an ick? It's just a person being a person. They're just living their life. They're sipping their coffee. I don't like the way you sip your coffee. Ew.
1: Like, like okay.
0: Yeah, I guess I'll change the way I sip my coffee. I don't know.
1: Or like I have a colleague that has shared that she will not date or she probably at this point has had to get past this. But yeah, I don't date guys who wear flip-flops. And I was like, interesting. (laughs) So how did you like, it's like in the summertime, you're like, keep that covered.
0: So I've heard that before. I don't want to, I don't want to see your feet. I get it. Feet are ugly. I'm not the person that's going to be like feet picked. Yeah. So I I can see that. But at the same time, it's just, what's wrong with that? Let people be people. They want to wear flip-flops, find it endearing. I always get to this place with my clients where it's, you have to start with a gratitude list about your partner. Gratitude list daily is extremely helpful. We get to this place where it's really hard to, I'm thankful for air. Yeah. Great. We get that. It gets redundant over time, but you have to look at your partner and really begin to identify what do I appreciate about this person? What do they do right? And even when they're doing something wrong, can I recognize that as something that's endearing and it's not necessarily wrong or incorrect? It's just a part of their process and how they operate, the way they think, the way they feel. And can you begin to admire those things about the other person? And are you a collaborator or not? And that's, for me, what relationships are. You're in a collaboration. We're co-creating. We use the language of a shared mission and vision one year, three year, five year, you got to have it even a 10 year plan, but we have to start using that language of a shared mission and vision, or you're going nowhere. You're going to struggle in your relationships. If you don't know where you're going, what you're doing or why you're doing it.
1: hundred percent. And I really appreciate, Mark Manson talks a lot about how love is not enough. And I really appreciate the ways that he has given language to that. Like he's an incredible writer and he has- an incredible way of, of speaking things and he talks a lot about how shared values respect sure. trust like those are the foundation it's not about love and if i see that not only in our intimate relationships but also like our family relationships. and that gets hard for people too right like that idea that they could be your family but if they are not respectful lovey you guys don't have a shared vision that's especially around the holidays i think that is what gets really tricky people yeah see ick with families and that weird friction of feeling like they're my family i've got to do x y and z and part of X, Y, and and z
0: thanks for being here i really appreciate it do tell us you have a book you've got the 12 days of slaying boundaries along yeah. with a giveaway you have an online course that comes with a closed group and you had a podcast but what happened to it
1: um super got super busy so like Sidebar, I also own like the largest group practice in Canvas. So I'm a busy lady. Uh, I love doing what I do. I do. I did not know I would fall so much in love with the business side of things, but I have. And being on that side of things and in leadership, I had to find some sort of balance. So for me, like the group coaching is how I still am able to like connect with people and feel like I'm more connected with clients. I only see one or two clients a week now as far as a therapist. And so... The group coaching gives me a little bit more like connection to that world. And in addition to, I like, we have like therapist meetings too, where I'm like, let me live vicariously through y'all and also learn and grow.
0: <laughs> right. so
1: I do on that. But yeah. I wrote a book about a year and a half ago. And it's funny, like at some point I'm like, maybe I'll revamp it or just something different. But I do have a book that I took a lot of time on and that I think is really great too. Obviously I'm biased. I wrote myself.
0: Well, I love the title of it. It's That's accurate. It was a good title.
1: Yeah, thank you. Beneath your bullshit, but I called it BS because I try to connect with those people. I, see, again, i can't healed.
0: swear. I know, no. I'm
1: still healing from that people pleaser. of me, because I, I remember spending hours thinking about bullshit. Should I, like, how... I,
0: I can't say bullshit. I can't do that.
1: You grew up with an LDS family, okay?
0: <laughs> Everybody's gonna reject me.
1: The funniest part is my mom is, like, one of the most, like, accepting people now, and so, like, I could curse around her she, she's gonna be fine like it's fine but it's my own it's that story i'm stuck in like right. it's my own narrative but yeah anyway so i have all these things but i think if people would follow along the work i do instagram tiktok at Jenny Ann Helms, i've got some free resources too because i know a lot of people are like where do i start and i have a list of boundary example and that's a good just resource of like how do we put words to this and the 12 Days of Boundaries, I'm going to go through what boundaries are, why people suck at them, because let's be real, as we start to use process, people typically really struggle to either overcorrect, undercorrect, no. all the super pieces. How to do boundaries with consequences versus threats, because boundaries without like legitimate, real like consequences or that are truly within our control are not really boundaries. There's yeah. just been, like...
0: Stop using threats, guys.
1: Yeah, stop threatening people. I did it for a long time, though. And I was like, man, I'm so boundary. But really, <laughs> it's just- Or else. threatening people. Yeah, no, it's funny, uh, learning that even on my own journey. I was like, yeah. man, I thought I had this figured out, but I totally didn't.
0: My way uh, or the highway, get
1: out. Or I'll just ignore you and be passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah, let's not- let's. It's- that's not the solution, I'll tell you that. But yeah, I go through all this different pieces, what healthy consequences look like. And then just some actual holiday examples, all that good stuff. Cause it is that time like, yeah, people is. get weird. And we become one of my professors. He said this time of year, everybody shrinks a few inches when they go back to see family. And I was right. like, man, I don't have a lot of inches to shrink. We right. That out. But no, it's true. Like we all grew back in, in some, like small ways. And so it's funny every year I go back for Christmas. And then I'm in January, I'm like frosting with my therapist. I'm like, so here's how I shrunk. <laughs> Totally. here's one, one next time so anyway just keeping it real that like we could all use some ideas encouragement and support
0: i love it you guys if you haven't already followed jenny you're going to after this episode so make sure you go and do that go out and get her book and check out the 12 days of slaying boundaries i love slaying the
1: boundaries yeah. yes i'm trying to get real hit with the kids huh? hey
0: you do what you gotta do <laughs>
1: Awesome, it was great to be with you, Jason. We'll have to do this again.
0: Yeah, we will. Cool.